0: have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year.
1: Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. Thank you very much. So many things going on in our world. Some of them are pretty bleak and terrible, but I'm getting that vision from the scriptures that our God is in control. Everything is going toward the fulfillment of his goals and objectives. We can be confident of that. We can rest in that. Yes, I know there are deep, serious issues going on in the world, but we can still rejoice. Just think of the times we're reading about now in the book of Acts. The people of God were going through persecution, all kinds of difficulties. Those Jews who recognized Jesus was indeed the fulfillment of Jehovah's promises all throughout the Hebrew Scriptures were being ostracized from the temple and synagogues and the Jewish communities. They really had it tough. They had a challenge ahead of them far greater than what we face. So we can face ours with confidence and joy. As well, We'll get to that in a little bit. We'll talk about the book of Acts. We're going to start in chapter 11 tonight where we left off in our last program. Right now, though, to our wisdom and worship segment, we're going to turn to the book of the Proverbs, these nuggets of wisdom from a God-centered point of view of our world. Chapter 14 tonight on The Proverbs Bible Life. Proverbs 14, 1-17. A wise woman builds her house. A foolish woman tears hers down with her own hands. Those who follow the right path fear the Lord. Those who take the wrong path despise Him. The talk of fools is a rod for their backs, but the words of the wise keep them out of trouble. An empty stable stays clean, but no income comes from an empty stable. A truthful witness does not lie. A false witness breathes lies. A mocker seeks wisdom and never finds it, but knowledge comes easily to those with understanding. Stay away from fools, for you won't find knowledge there. The wise look ahead to see what is coming, but fools deceive themselves. Fools make fun of guilt, but the godly acknowledge it and seek reconciliation. Each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can fully share its joy. The house of the wicked will perish, but the tent of the godly will flourish. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Laughter can conceal a heavy heart. When the laughter ends, the grief remains. Backsliders get what they deserve. Good people receive their rewards. Only simpletons believe everything they are told. The prudent carefully consider their steps. The wise are cautious and avoid danger. Fools plunge ahead with great confidence. Those who are short-tempered do foolish things, and schemers are hated. End of reading Proverbs 14, through 17 To the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. That's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to turn our eyes upon Jesus, the Messiah. God's promises have come true, He has sent His Son, He has fulfilled His task. He has won our salvation, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. Except for that one time when he stood. Isn't that interesting? We just read about that the other night in Acts, I believe is chapter, what was it, 7 or 8? When Stephen was stoned to death, he said, I see the Lord standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Jesus stood. He's always pictured after his ascension seated at the right hand of the Father after he had completed his work of Messiah. But in that one instance, receiving the first Christian martyr, Stephen, stoned to death for his faith in Christ, we see the Savior standing. I think it's a beautiful picture. It almost brings tears to my eyes every time I think of Jesus standing to receive Stephen. Tonight in our Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 10, it says, Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can fully share its joy. We are each one of us an individual with our own thoughts, with our own perspective of everything around us. And no one else can really enter into that place except our God, who knows us even better than we know ourselves. Sometimes we think of ministry here, the first century, in terms of groups, like the Jewish people rejected Jesus. Well, they didn't. There were thousands upon thousands of them who received Jesus as Messiah and acknowledged that he was the Jewish Messiah. They had been waiting for so long prophesied and predicted in the Old Testament. Many did not, but many did. And it goes down to that fact that we are individuals when we come to our relationship with God. And so as you listen tonight about the church spreading across the Roman Empire, think of your own life and your own relationship with God and your own relationship Acts with 11, the Messiah. 19 through 14, 7. Acts 11. Meanwhile, the believers who had fled from Jerusalem during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the good news, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was upon them, and large numbers of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this proof of God's favor, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith. And large numbers of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to find Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching great numbers of people. It was there at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up in one of the meetings to predict by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem.
0: You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
1: Acts 12 About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish leaders, he arrested Peter during the Passover celebration and imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod's intention was to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, chained between two soldiers with others standing guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel tapped him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was really happening. They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate to the street, and this opened to them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally realized what had happened. It's really true, he said to himself. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jews were hoping to do to me. After a little while he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally went out and opened the door, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them what had happened and how the Lord had led him out of jail. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said, and then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, so they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for their food. They made friends with Blastus, Herod's personal assistant, and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robes sat on his throne and made a speech to them. The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It is the voice of a god, not of a man. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness, because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. But God's good news was spreading rapidly, and there were many new believers. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission in Jerusalem, they returned to Antioch, taking John Mark with them. You're listening to
0: The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
1: Acts 13 Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manion, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work I have for them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Sent out by the Holy Spirit, Saul and Barnabas went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There, in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Afterward, they preached from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, a man of considerable insight and understanding. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God but elemas the sorcerer as his name means in greek interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what saul and barnabas said he was trying to turn the governor away from the christian faith then saul also known as paul filled with the holy spirit looked the sorcerer in the eye and said you son of the devil full of every sort of trickery and villainy enemy of all that is good will you never stop perverting the true ways of the lord And now the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be stricken awhile with blindness. Instantly, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he began wandering around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he believed and was astonished at what he learned about the Lord. Now Paul and those with him left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Barnabas and Paul traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. On the Sabbath day, they went to the synagogue for the services. After the usual readings from the books of Moses and from the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for us, come and give it. So Paul stood, lifted his hand to quiet them, and started speaking. People of Israel, he said, and you devout Gentiles who fear the God of Israel, listen to me. The God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them prosper in Egypt. Then he powerfully led them out of their slavery. He put up with them through 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. Then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to Israel as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. After that, judges ruled until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people begged for a king, and God gave them Saul son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for forty years. But God removed him from the kingship and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, David son of Jesse is a man after my own heart, for he will do everything I want him to. And it is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. But before he came, John the Baptist preached the need for everyone in Israel to turn from sin and turn to God and be baptized. As John was finishing his ministry, he asked, Do you think I am the Messiah? No, but he is coming soon, and I am not even worthy to be his slave. Brothers, you sons of Abraham, and also all of you devout Gentiles who fear the God of Israel, this salvation is for us. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders fulfilled prophecy by condemning Jesus to death. They didn't recognize him or realize that he is the one the prophets had written about, though they hear the prophets' words read every Sabbath. They found no just cause to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. When they had fulfilled all the prophecies concerning his death, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and he appeared over a period of many days to those who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. These are his witnesses to the people of Israel. And now Barnabas and I are here to bring you this good news. God's promise to our ancestors has come true in our own time, in that God raised Jesus. This is what the second psalm is talking about when it says concerning Jesus, You are my son. Today I have become your father, for God had promised to raise him from the dead, never again to die. This is stated in the scripture that says, I will give you the sacred blessings I promised to David. Another psalm explains more fully, saying, You will not allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. Now this is not a reference to David. For after David had served his generation according to the will of God, he died and was buried, and his body decayed. No, it was a reference to someone else someone whom God raised and whose body did not decay. Brothers, listen. In this man Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is freed from all guilt and declared right with God, something the Jewish law could never do. Be careful. Don't let the prophet's words apply to you, for they said, look, you mockers, be amazed and die. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it.
0: You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
1: As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people asked them to return again and speak about these things the next week. Many Jews and godly converts to Judaism who worshipped at the synagogue followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them, By God's grace, remain faithful. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when the Jewish leaders saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that this good news from God be given first to you Jews. But since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, well, we will offer it to Gentiles. For this is as the Lord commanded us when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were appointed to eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Then the Jewish leaders stirred up both the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas, and ran them out of town. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them, and went to the city of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Acts 14 In Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went together to the synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who spurned God's message stirred up distrust among the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas, saying all sorts of evil things about them. The apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. The Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the city were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. A mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. When the apostles learned of it, they fled for their lives. They went to the region of Laconia, to the cities of Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding area, and they preached the good news there. End of reading, Acts 11, 19 through 14, 7.
0: Live with Soapy
1: Dollar. This is so exciting. I can imagine the people of that era walking in darkness. Do you know what light they had to know about God in those days? Particularly those in the pagan world, in the Roman world. They had nothing but nature itself. The sun, the moon, the skies, the seasons, the cool breeze, the ocean, nature around them. It's a wonderful, beautiful voice from God, as the Psalms tell us. And it is legitimate and true. They could know him and worship him, but still they had so little. And here comes the full light of God himself invading history. God speaks. God acts. God confirms his love for them, his purpose for their lives. Can you imagine what this meant to those people walking in darkness? People back then had the same questions we have today. Is there a God? And if there is a God, what is he like? Is he knowable? So often we take for granted the truth that we have about reality, about existence. Barnabas, he sees the potential in people. He doesn't fixate on the negatives, and he has invested already heavily in this individual named Saul. He took him in when nobody else would, gave him attention, nurtured him in his faith, and now Saul is really catching fire here. He's got a head of steam up, and he goes to get him and brings him over to Antioch of Syria. Antioch of Syria is up in the northeast corner of the Mediterranean, very important city. In Antioch, Christianity is launched on its worldwide mission. The God of the Bible, Old and New Testament, he has never changed, and he's always been about reaching the whole world. It has never been about just one little group or this little group or that little group. Not any ethnic limitations, religious limitations, linguistic limitations. It's always been about reaching the whole world. And now that Messiah has come, we see the truth about God, the redemptive truth about God, His plan, taking a huge leap forward now into the pagan, the Gentile world. People in the pagan Gentile world could respond to the light they did have. They did have the light of nature, Uh, the sun, the moon, the stars, and the seasons, and so on, and they could worship the true and living God, the God who created. They could do that. And those who did truly seek after God and worship the true and living God, when the truth of the gospel came, they were ready to receive it. They were the millions and millions of Gentiles who latched on. They were the ones that God had already been drawing them to himself. Now, I was going to tell you a little bit more about Antioch. After Rome and Alexandria, Rome, of course, over in Italy, Alexandria, down in Egypt, Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman world. It was the place of the first Gentile church, as it said here in the text. It's the first place where followers of Jesus were called Christians, Christ ones. There were several centers of worship for pagan cults and a lot of sexual immorality and other forms of evil common to pagan religions of that time. It was also a a commercial center, gateway to the Eastern world, and also over to the west toward Italy. Antioch was a key city both to Rome and, of course, to the early church. This was a city made up of all kinds of people. It was an ideal city for the gospel to begin. Sometimes people ask, well, why did Jesus come when he did? We see that illustrated tonight in our reading, and you'll see it throughout the rest of the book of Acts. Why did Jesus come in that particular time? There are at least four beautiful, powerful answers that come right out of Scripture. One of those is the Pax Romana, Roman peace. The Romans had subdued the known world of that time. There were Roman garrisons every 12 to 17 miles on these major roads and so on. So the Romans brought about a brief period of peace and stability, and the gospel could travel. Even Paul's life is saved a number of times by Roman soldiers. Many of these Roman soldiers become believers. Pax Romana, only during this time would there have been the peace that allowed the gospel to spread. The other factor is the Roman roads. They still exist today. They were well-built roads. You can travel those same roads that the Romans built in the first century. It was down those roads and down those sea lanes that the Romans protected that the gospel flew. Thirdly, there was the common language, la lingua franca, the, the language of Greek. Greek had become a common language in all of these different cities where Paul went. And finally, you notice the synagogues. Remember, the Jews had been scattered all around the world, and they had established synagogues. They were like little potted plants sitting there in these cities. They had been there for hundreds of years, people there who knew the language, who knew the culture, who had the relationships, and were ready to receive the message of salvation in the Messiah. There could not have been a better table set to receive the spiritual banquet that was the Gospel of Jesus the Messiah. Now, the book of Acts is primarily a book of history. Dr. Luke is a historian par excellence. He's giving us dates and times and places and names. a remarkable work. But it's also very theological. Notice here that there are already cults springing up. This guy named Bar Jesus, in other words, son of Jesus, is already trying to profiteer off of the Gospel, trying to gain power and money from the name of Jesus. Well, the truth still draws people to itself. Now, Paul teaches here a very important thing. Jesus is the eternal Son of God, God himself. And yet, as his function as Messiah, Jesus is also the firstborn of the reborn, God's Son by the redemptive plan as well. He is both.
0: he reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com.